The latest Veracode State of Software Security report reveals that scanning early, often, and steadily helps you fix more flaws faster while not contributing to security debt. The report finds 56% of software flaws eventually get fixed, while 76% of high-severity flaws are addressed by developers. Half of the applications showed a net reduction in flaws over the same sample time frame. Another 20% either had no flaws or showed no change. This means 70% of development teams are keeping pace. Hi, I'm Joan Goodchild, Content Director with IDG. In this episode of A Hard Look at Software Security, we dive deeper into those numbers and discuss why development teams should consider scanning and why. I'm joined by Paul Farrington, who's Chief Technology Officer for the Europe, Middle East, and Asia regions for Veracode. Welcome, Paul. Thanks, Joan. Great to join you. Now, that is a lot of numbers that I just read there in that introduction. What are your overall impressions of these figures? Well, one of the aspects that appeals to me is the level of improvement that we've seen in certain areas across the last decade. So I think it's also true that we're seeing very strong indicators of high performance in relation to actually producing secure software. And perhaps we'll talk about some of those aspects in more detail in a moment. But over the last decade, the last 10 years, we've seen an improvement from a percentage of 66% to 80% now in version 10 of our latest report, 80% of applications being free from either high or very high severity issues. So the most critical issues that could cause problems in software. And so the amount of software in the world has literally exploded in the last decade and continues to accelerate in growth. I would say, you know, during the last 10 years, we've seen the sample size that we used in our very first version of the State of Software Security Report is actually increased by a factor of 10. So you can just see the, the kind of the, the, the increase in software that we're measuring and really that also is presented onto, onto the world stage because of the, the popularity of applications, you know, driving and, and running our economies around the world. Right. A lot of significant and interesting takeaways there. Now, using some of these numbers, you know, as a, as a guide and out of interest in what you found, what are some recommendations on what stage development teams should engage in scanning of software? Well, all the evidence does suggest that scanning early and often is the most reliable hallmark of a development team that will trend most positively towards producing secure software. Uh, most of the experts are describing ways to shift left uh, during the development process. Um, and really what they mean is is performing security ass assessments when code is being written and, of course, being built. Uh, what we've observed, though, is that automation can be absolutely critical in establishing a, a cadence that promotes organizational health for the production of, of uh, safe and secure software. So the data shows that an application that scans, say, every day, for example, every business day for security defects or bugs is likely to have around about 80% less security debt compared to an application that is assessed, say, once a week or, or once a month. And not only that, but the, the fix rates will triple when the team scans on a, on a regular cadence, say, every business day. Now, we've got some, some data which suggests that the, the average, and in particular, we're using the, the median average to look at the, the halfway point of how, how long it takes to, to, to fix uh, security flaws. The median average is actually 19 days for those teams which are scanning every day. Compare this to, to the team that scans, let's say, every, every month. That median average is 68 days. So obviously quite a huge difference there. 
And overall, teams are getting better at prioritizing uh, flaws based on severity. So we found that 56% of software flaws eventually get, get fixed overall. But really encouragingly, we found that 76% of the high and very high severity flaws are addressed by developers. So, you know, it's, it is the case that developers are taking the, the actual criticality or the severity of flaws seriously. And, you know, we found that ensuring that teams have access to the correct technology and processes is really important in helping teams to, to move the needle in securing applications. And, of course, there are human and cultural aspects which need to be addressed to really sort of catalyze the, the chemical reaction of, of producing more uh, secure code by developers. So the benefits are clear. The data shows us that. But sometimes getting there, depending on the organization, can be a challenge. So when it comes to culture within an organization, what do security leaders need to do to enable this kind of environment? Well, I think at first there needs to be a coming to terms, uh, making a peace, as it were, by all concerned that producing software doesn't tend to happen without a deliberate action. So without scanning for security bugs and then fixing or remediating being part of the process, and that requires advice, advice being given, uh, reassurance and guidance to the developers. Well, really, the chance of producing secure software that is free from vulnerabilities is relatively, uh, relatively remote. A peer in our industry recently released a software security survey which focused on uh, developer perceptions and attitudes. And the majority of respondents thought that, that less than 20% of deployments contained vulnerabilities. Now, our data, whilst it's encouraging in some areas, and I mentioned the 76% of, of high and very high severity flaws are, have, have vulnerabilities that are absent in the, in the software. When applications are first scanned and assessed for, for the overall security posture, they tend not to, to pass uh, common security standards such as the OWASP top 10. So it, it's, there is uh, certainly a, a gap. There's a kind of a, a dissonance, as it were, between perceptions and, and the reality. And so we need to in, ensure that everyone's on the same page in terms of what the, or what the truth is and, and what needs to be done to, to address those issues. So we need to, to, to ensure that is the case and that we're, we're all kind of uh, working from the, the, the same set of facts, as it were. We would encourage business leaders to ensure that time and resources are actually given to development teams to focus on specifically reducing security debt and fixing new security bugs as they present themselves in, in the actual general you know, creation of, of software. So we need to give developers credit for the, the good work that they do. And if we use measures, uh, performance measures, such as the median time to, to fix security defects, we can provide real cues, uh, signals to developers that what they're doing matters and that they'll be rewarded for, for making positive changes. So in order to support the, the objectives and goals of, of creating more secure software, we need to make sure that DevOps teams or traditional uh, security teams and development teams have the insights they need to then make uh, the correct choices in prioritizing, you know, creating that, that, that software which is free from vulnerabilities. DevOps has, has sought to, to break down barriers between development, operations, QA people. And, and one way to address the culture aspects uh, in relation to breaking down barriers around security and you know, developers. One aspect is, is to consider bringing in what we call security champions. Security champions are individuals that are, are part of the, the existing team, but have been effectively enabled. They've, they've been made aware of what good looks like in relation to security. They've been given training to, to help promote and encourage their the colleagues 
to, to code more securely and to, to be on the lookout for things that aren't quite right, that maybe need you know, a second look or uh, maybe a, just a, a more efficient way of ensuring that the code that is written is, is secure. So Security Champions is absolutely a huge win in our experience in helping to promote, promote that culture and just general understanding of, of how to create that secure software, which is, which is what every business craves. A reminder that this podcast is brought to you by Veracode, which delivers the application security solutions and services today's software-driven world requires. Paul, you were just talking about developers and DevOps and, you know, the concept of the security champion. That brings us to DevSecOps. Let's talk about that a bit. Where are we at with it from your perspective and where is it going? Well, in this report, volume 10, we've actually seen a continuation of a trend, which we, I guess we started to identify in volume nine, so just a, a year ago, at the State of Software Security report. DevOps and DevSecOps in particular, that's a mindset in, in software de- development that everyone is responsible for, for app security. And what we're finding is that companies that are operating at the, at the highest levels of efficiency in relation to you know, the most secure software, a software that is free, from vulnerabilities that go into production, those teams tend to, to fix at a rate much faster. Uh, and we've identified that it's about 11 and a half times faster than those teams which, uh, which are perhaps haven't embraced the you know, technical aspects or processes that really kind of lend themselves to being, being classed as DevSecOps teams. Um, so we, we definitely see a, a, a huge difference in the overall performance. And really a large part of that is, is how teams automate uh, security into the process so that they can ensure that the, you know, those vulnerabilities are lifted out of, of uh, removed from the production candidates before they go into, into production at a much earlier stage. And that fundamentally requires you know, uh, security truly being part of, of, the, of the process. And if you think about DevOps, what it really is helping teams do is, is really to to increase velocity, to accelerate the production of, of code and the presentation of payload to meet the business demands. And there's no point, actually, if you think about it, uh, focusing on, on the velocity of your, of your releases or potential releases if actually you're going to be thwarted at the, at the, at the very last, uh, last mile, as it were, by a security finding, you know, which could have perhaps been baked into the process much earlier um, blocking the process. So I think teams are, are you know, coming to the realization that in, ensuring that automation takes place can, can be hugely beneficial and in ensuring that we get to that posture of just naturally as part of a, a kind of a hygienic cadence being able to you know, produce that the software which, is, which meets the, the security standards of the organization. And one of the observations that we, we found in the latest version of the report I've spoken about frequency and making sure that it's important to have that kind of regular touch point, as it were, hopefully fueled by automation. But if you think about, you know, sort of like a heart rate, for example, the, the rhythm of your heart, what, what you wouldn't want is for the heart to, say, beating 300 times a minute for the first 10 minutes of an hour and then, say, only 20 minutes, so 20 times for, for the remaining portion of, of that hour. That's, that's not a healthy state of affairs for, for, for the body. And that would cause a cardiologist, you know, to, to have, you know, some, some kind of questions as, as to, you know, the, the state of health for that individual. And what we found in, in volume 10 of the report is that if you actually have a team that does, you know, has a high burst of, of activity, high burst of scanning for security vulnerabilities, but then goes 
effectively dormant and, and, and to all intents and purposes stops scanning for a period of time or a prolonged period, but then bursts again into, into activity. What we found is that doesn't really lend itself to a good overall security posture. It might be the case that during that high intensity period, there is there's, you know, perhaps fewer vulnerabilities are evident, but during that low period, we see that the security um, posture um, deteriorating once again. So what you really want to use that kind of heart, that rhythm analogy, you want a steady pace, which is, which is kind of you know, responding to the business needs, but not going too high, not, not going too, too low. Now, you mentioned DevSecOps really being a mindset in software development and security. So for organizations that, you know, aren't practicing now, what do you suggest in terms of getting to that posture of DevSecOps? So I think we need to promote and reward a culture that demonstrates a commitment to advancing secure development. We can't just pay lip service to it and say that security is, you know, the, the organization's first priority if that isn't really the case. We need to make, make sure that... Developers are given time and resources to work on security bug fixing, what you might call security or technical debt, because it, unless you know, you're representing an organization listening to this podcast that is atypical, most organizations have some level of technical or security debt. That's just really an everyday you know, uh, reality. And so you need to ensure that development teams are given that, given that space to address that debt and also to, to ensure there is time in the plan to spontaneously address the issues that will, will naturally arise when new code is written. So, you know, software development is not a, it's not a linear process as, as such. Um, there will be peaks and troughs as, as the development team advances towards, you know, delivery of that payload and, and being able to actually create and deliver the functionality that the business demands. And it's true with security as well. It's, it's not a linear process. We need to make sure that as cre- uh, functionality is created, that the uh, security team in tandem with the developers, hopefully as part of this same team, that uh, DevSecOps team, they have the ability to focus on new code that's been written and ensure that it's been tested, ideally as the code has been written, and certainly a build time, and then you know divert time and resources to, to making sure that when they commit the code, and that what we're saying there is is effectively saving that back into a central repository, a file system, that that code that gets committed is pristine or certainly meets the security the security standards of the of the organization. So we need to consider ways in which that security agenda can be represented within the team by the team, um, identifying colleagues that have an interest in becoming more skilled in, in secure coding. So that lends itself again to the thought, the notion of having the security champions in place. If those can be identified because that can be career enriching in a positive aspect for an individual to be able to have on their resume, on their CV, you know, that this is part of uh, their skill set to not just be able to deliver, you know, software, but to be able to, to do that in a in a an efficient way that is, um, you know, conducive to, to a hygienic way and a mechanism of producing software for the organization. So automating the process of scanning as part of the continuous integration pipeline ensuring that the teams have the, the knowledge and, and awareness as part of the culture aspects and people feel rewarded for actually taking pride in the level of, of security and the absence of vulnerabilities and how quickly security issues are fixed um, and making sure finally that that process is in place, that, that cadence of observing and trying to identify and then address those security issues. Once you have those factors in, in place, 
then you start to get the flywheel turning. And, and really, security doesn't need to be that afterthought. It doesn't need to be a big drama either. It's just part of, of how software gets created. And there is that then a more collaborative aspect to, to how, how the, the development team works in, in tandem with security. Great. Well, that's all the time we have today. I want to thank Paul Farrington for joining us. Thank you so much, Jim. And thanks to our audience. Also a reminder to tune in next time for part two of Frequency Matters, where we talk to Veracode's Chris Weisopel about the benefits of scanning early and often. Also, you can check out Veracode.com for more information on the findings of Veracode's latest state of software security report and to learn more about scan rates and what they mean for security. For IDG and Veracode, I'm Joan Goodchild. A reminder that you can find more episodes of A Hard Look at Software Security in the podcast section of CSO Online, also available through the Apple Podcasts app or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is produced by IDG Communications Incorporated in association with its sponsor, Veracode.